Morning. How are you all? Good to see your eyes. Um, you know, I'll let you into a secret. Um, in in the US, I've been part of uh, the churches here for the ten, last ten years, and pastors talk about Easter in particular as being like the church's Super Bowl Sunday. So it's really odd to be preaching on actual Super Bowl Sunday, and it's not Easter. It's uh, it's a bit confusing, to be honest. Um, uh, thank you, Daniel, for the kind plug for the book. And um, I do just want to, you know, I've never been able to do this, and this is the first opportunity I've had to do this. I want to do a giveaway this morning. Never, I've never had my own thing to give away. I've given away other people's things, which is great fun, but I want to give away my own thing today. And um, so here's, here's what I want to do. Um, if you are an Apple user, there's two parts to this. If you're an Apple user, so you use an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac or all that kind of stuff, I want to give you a promo code to download the ebook the e version of this for free on Apple Books. Okay, so you can have this book for free on Apple Books if you're an Apple user. And if you're not an Apple user, bear with me. Um, what you need to do is you need to go to my blog page at which is undistractedlife.com, undistractedlife.com. And when you hit that page, just go down to the bottom and just subscribe. All you've got to do is put your email address in, and all, all it will, um, the only thing it will do is notify you when a new blog goes up. I don't use it for any other reason. It just notifies you when a new post goes up. Um, but if you do that today, I will email you a promo code so that you can download the Apple book for free. Um, however, not everybody uses Apple, even though this is Southern California. I don't know what's wrong with you Luddites. But um, for those of you who don't and would like to buy it, it's available on Amazon as a uh, paperback um, or as a Kindle version. But I have some copies here that I would love to give away. So um, uh, wh what I want to know is, is it anybody's birthday today or like in the previous week or this coming week? Anybody got a birthday? No? Anniversary? No? All right. Anybody want a book? <laughs> Arlene, <what? laughs> Victor, do you want one? All right. Let me place it over here. Arlene, did you want one? Yeah, okay. I'm going to put them there for you to come and get one more book. You'd like a book? There you go. You're welcome. So, um, otherwise, you can look at it in various different places. Um, Thank you for allowing me to do that. And I am just going to put my timer on so that I don't go over the hour and 25 minutes that Ben gave me. Um, I just want to share my testimony to start with, and it's going to lead into our subject this morning about spiritual gifts, um, which I am excited about. I came to faith aged 16. Um, I come from the northwest of England, Liverpool. Um, and uh, when I was 16, I guess I was just trying to figure life out. Uh, my, I don't have a very dramatic testimony. Um, I was a fairly boring kid, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but I was kind of pondering some bigger questions about life, like, does life have any purpose? What's the meaning of life? And my best friend at the time was a Christian, and one of the things that we enjoyed doing was uh, lots of outdoor stuff. So we would go mountaineering and hiking and backpacking and all that kind of stuff. So there was um, 
A lot of times where we were uh, mountaineering or backpacking in the mountains of North Wales, and we would pitch tent in winter at like three o'clock when the sun disappears, and uh, all of a sudden you've got a lot of time on your hands in a confined space with someone just to talk, and you know things get quite deep. And I would just ask him a little bit about his faith, and we would sit there snuggled up in our sleeping bags on the side of a mountain, usually with the rain lashing down outside. And he would, do you, is anybody actually, you all look far too young, does anybody remember Sony Walkmans? Most of you are shaking, oh, some, okay, there you go, there's the old people. All right, so they, so for you young people, Sony Walkmans had something called a cassette in it, and it was a portable cassette player, like an iPod, but not like an iPod. And um, they don't even have iPods anymore because it's on your phone. So he would put his Sony Walkman uh, headphones on and listen to something called worship music. And I'm like, what is worship music? And he would read a little pocket-sized Gideon's Bible at night. And I was like, what's that you're reading? And I bombarded him with questions. And for several months, he answered my questions. And then in the summer of the following year, he invited me to a youth, a Christian youth music festival. Uh, I went there, met his youth group, and uh, on the Saturday night, I heard a gospel message from an evangelical Welsh preacher, fiery um, uh, Welsh guy. And I just knew that this story about the historical crucifixion uh, and resurrection of Jesus demanded a response from me. And uh, I chose that night to... Um, give my life to Christ. I invited him into my life to be boss of my life. That was the only language I had at the time. And uh, I went along to church, to his youth group. Now, I had grown up not really going to church apart from Christmas and Easter. And so at Christmas and Easter, we would go as a family to usually a Church of England church somewhere. And what I, I knew how to do church, okay? I understood that what you did is you would go in and there would be standing up, there would be sitting down, there'd be a little bit of kneeling, occasionally saying a prayer, and they'd be singing a hymn, which you had to do at just the right level so that you were, you were singing it, but not so loud that people couldn't hear that you were singing it out of key and didn't really know the words. So I knew how to do church, you see. But he took me along to his church, and I would go to the evening service in this Anglican church. And um, during the service there, um, they didn't sing hymns. They had a guy with a guitar who would sing these kind of like ballady, guitar-strummed songs of adoration. And the singer every now and again would sing in what sounded like Hebrew or Russian. Like, I didn't know what it was, but it sounded beautiful. And there was uh, some ladies in the church who would take their shoes off and dance up and down the aisles. And um, there was a guy there who was always ready to pray for people who were sick to be healed, like, like there and then. It wasn't like we'll keep you in our prayers. It was like, oh, let's pray for you to be healed. And the vicar at the church would uh, share from the Bible in a way that was very insightful and would help me to understand who God was and what Jesus was like. Um, that was my introduction to spiritual gifts. And I just assumed that this must be what it was like every week other than Christmas and Easter. That was my introduction to this little Anglican church. Then I went away to university, eventually settled in a, Baptist, a charismatic Baptist church, which is an oxymoron in the US. 
but a charismatic Baptist church. We were there for about 20 years. I led worship for 10 years. I was an elder there. We, we did everything there. And there would be preaching, and there would be praising, and there would be speaking in tongues, and people would prophesy, and people would pray for healing, and people would share a word of knowledge, and all this kind of stuff. It was just normal. And then I spent the last 10 years at a sort of a charismatic slash Pentecostal church here in the US, where it's like the day that we walked in there, like somebody came up and gave me a prophetic word, and it just seemed to keep happening every week following that. Somebody had a word, somebody would pray, somebody had faith for something. So I've been around spiritual gifts my whole life, my whole Christian life. So I guess that makes me like an anglimatic Bapticostal or something like that anyway. But sometimes I've been in environments where spiritual gifts seem to cause some tension and anxiety, where it seemed to be like a point of conflict um, in a particular community. Last week, Emmy uh, Wilson from Holy Trinity shared a wonderful message on the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And um, she likened the Holy Spirit to like a pa- the power source. Like if, if, if there's a power cut, there's so many things we can't do. But once we're plugged into a power source, suddenly things come alive. And the Holy Spirit can be like that, like a power source for us. Um, and I realized that for some people, the Holy Spirit is like the awkward family member that you, you know, you're, you reluctantly invite to family gatherings. You know you ought to because they're family, but secretly you just hope that they'll stay in the corner and not give your five-year-old kids fireworks. You know, that's, that's, that's that, that sometimes is what the Holy Spirit is like. Um, but in Acts 2, The reading last week was the Pentecost sermon. At the end of that passage, Peter says to the people who are listening that the proper response to the gospel message, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, is that each one of them should repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift that God wants to give you. And yet the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap because of spiritual gifts very often, you know? So I wanna unpack that a little bit and I I go into that a lot more in my book, just trying to tie the fact that the Holy Spirit is God's gift and the Holy Spirit gives gifts. In actual fact, Father, Son, and Spirit are the gift and Father, Son, and Spirit actually also give gifts. So. When we talk about spiritual gifts today, uh, we're going to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians, which I hope someone's going to read in just a moment. But uh, there's actually a a chapter in Romans 12. There's a passage in Ephesians 4. We're going to look at this pertinent passage in uh, 1 Corinthians. So I'm hoping that that's going to be read just now. Hey, everyone. Today's passage is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 in the Message Translation. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God? Led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everyone else did it? It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence, to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, 
You know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say Jesus is master without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Thank you. So I don't normally read from the message version. I have to be honest with you, but I, I, I love that particular rendering of that passage because it actually communicates the heart of what I think sometimes is missed in what Paul is saying in this letter to the Ephesians, which is the importance of the unity in the body and actually the working for the common good. So just a little bit of background. Um, Corinth is right down near the south end of Greece, and it's on a little strip of land that means it's a very strategic place for um, travel, both by sea and by land in the Roman Empire. And as a result, what happens is it was a very cosmopolitan place, not unlike Los Angeles is today. Corinth was kind of like an L.A. of the Roman Empire at the time. And because of this cosmopolitan world that um, Corinth had access to, this included the religious practices of around the Roman Empire. So there were lots and lots of pagan temples in Corinth. Um, and a lot of these, not all of them, but many of these pagan temples um, actually had temple prostitutes in it where that was part of what went on in the temples. So Paul is writing to a young Christian community who are coming out of and living in this highly charged spiritual atmosphere in Corinth. And a lot of these pagan temples, one of their kind of like core values or beliefs, if you will, they believed in something called dualism. And very simply, uh, most dualism uh, is based around the idea that spiritual things are good and material things are bad. Or at least material things are less important than spiritual things. So if you think that way, where spiritual things are good, it means that encounters with God or angels or ecstatic experiences are highly prized and valued, whereas what we do with our body, not so much which is very convenient given some of the practices that went on in temples. So these early Christians were like, hey, what we do with our bodies doesn't really matter, but hey, what we do when we encounter God, we're all about that. So Paul was battling spiritual elitism, a form of spiritual practice which says that, hey, because I have a certain kind of experience, because I speak in unknown tongues, I speak with the tongues of angels, or because I have 
special words of knowledge and insight, I'm somehow superior and better to other people. Hopefully that helps you understand 1 Corinthians 13 a little better, which is the following chapter on love. And Paul is writing to these people saying, no, 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 we need some order, but one of the things that we need is to understand spiritual gifts should unite the church, not cause division and hierarchy in the church. Gifts are given for the common good. So we're just going to look at uh, some of the things that we can pull from this passage in the time that we have left this morning. Um, This overemphasis on spiritual experience combined with an underemphasis on incarnational living leads us to walk in a love of power instead of the power of love. Jesus called us to walk in the power of love, not to love power. So in the NIV in verse four to six, it says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So do you see how Paul is um, insisting that these varied gifts that people might experience come from one God. In paganism, there's lots of gods. So you can pick a God and make out that your God's better than somebody else's God. Like my God's bigger than your God kind of thing. Because anything and everything could be a God in pagan uh, religion. Paul is saying, no, there is no pantheon of gods for Christians. There's one God who is creator, son, and Holy Spirit. And these varied gifts all come from the same source. Do you notice that that they're distributed by the Spirit, he says, in this little three-part verse. They're distributed by the Spirit. They're diverse in kind and nature. And they're divine in their source. They're distributed by the Spirit. They're diverse in kind. And they're divine in their source. They're distributed by the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is deciding what, spirit, what gifts are given to who. In fact, he reiterates this in verse 11, which is the end of what we read today. God decides who gets what and when. I love that. It's so, it's so clear, isn't it? God decides who gets what and when. There shouldn't be any argument about that. That doesn't mean we don't ask for gifts Do you remember Jesus said, like, if even earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will our Father in heaven give? In one one gospel it says good gifts, and in another gospel it says the Holy Spirit to those who ask. But at the end of the day, the gifts that we receive are God's decision, not ours. The gifts are diverse in nature. You know, one of the things that uh, I've loved about this last 10 years living in LA is just the diversity of being in a place like this. Um, I've met people from nations, places, churches, denominations that I'd never heard of before coming here, and they're all here right in this melting pot of Southern California. And in the same way, there is a diversity to how God empowers each of us in the body, which should be celebrated. 
God actually expects for there to be diversity in the way that we're all equipped. Arms don't look or function like eyes. Feet don't look or function like mouths. And we're not all expected to have the same gifts. As I was getting ready this morning, sitting at the back, I realized I'm so glad for my ears today. And you're thinking about hearing. And I'm like, no, no not for hearing. My ears are carrying a lot of weight this morning because I had... I had, my ear, I had my mask hooked on. I've got my specs kind of resting on my ears. Now I've got this like headphone thing. Like my ears are working overtime this morning before they've even done any listening. I'm, but I'm so grateful that my ears function the way that they do. It would be pointless if my eyes were on the side of my head. That's not what they're designed for. There's a diversity amongst us in the body where each of us are empowered and called uniquely which is to be celebrated. And finally, the gifts are divine in their source. In other words, gifts are not a sign of somebody's competence. Let me say that again. Gifts are not a sign of somebody's competence. They're a sign of God's divine working in and through somebody. Verse 7 in the NIV says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So these gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Manifestation simply means a revealing, a making public, letting it be known. That's what it means. So a manifestation of the Spirit is the Spirit making it known that the Spirit is at work. So when you, when you encounter spiritual gifts, in this little short passage here, it might be a, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It could be speaking in tongues, prophesying, having faith, um, healing. It's a sign and a revealing that God's at work. And who can have it? Well, to each one. So each one of you could receive a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and for what purpose do you receive it? Is it to kind of, you know, build up your kind of badge of like, well, I've got this gift, I've got another one to knock off, like I haven't got my tongues badge yet, like, well, my pro I've got my prophecy badge. It's, it's not like the scouts. It's no, it's given for the common good. The gifts are given for you to bless other people. I like to think of it this way. God, as a giver, has given us gifts. If we want to reflect the image of God, we take those gifts and we give them away. And in doing so, we actually reflect the very nature of God as a giver and give glory to him. Thirdly, God gives these gifts for the common good to unite God's community, not to bring division. I remember a few years ago being in a leadership gathering um, in Northern California, and I was in a room with about 900 leaders. And uh, during that time, um, someone who had a recognized prophetic ministry stood up and shared some prophetic words over about 10 people in the room. Now, there's 900 people in the room, and this individual gives a prophetic word to 10 of them. And I have to say that this individual, who though they were known for their prophetic ministry, shared with us that they were feeling 
really anxious and nervous. It's like, you know, I, I don't always know whether this is right or not. And they were so humble in the way that they shared it. But they just shared amazing words of knowledge over people with such accuracy and insight and shared prophetic words that were so encouraging that I promise you the 990 of us or the 890 of us who didn't receive the word, we were all encouraged by what God was doing because the focus was the revealing of what the Spirit was doing, not the building up of somebody's reputation. So the manner in which we steward and receive and give these gifts is meant ultimately to draw us together, to look upwards to God and to give glory to God for what God is doing. Paul goes on to list some of these gifts and I'll, I'll list them in the message version. Wise counsel or wisdom. Clear understanding, that's a word of knowledge. Simple trust, that's faith. Healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation or or prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues. I don't personally think that it's worth competing with a motorbike. I don't personally think that Paul is trying to write the definitive gifts list here. I think he's just probably having got to know the Corinthians, discovering things that are contentious. I think he's writing to where they're at because later in this same chapter, he lists another bunch of gifts that aren't listed here or, or it, like he talks about helps, administration, um, as well as teachers and apostles and prophets. It's like if, if Pastor Ben was to say to you, hey, next week we have somebody who uh, moves in the gift of healing coming, and the week after, we have somebody who moves in the gift of helps coming. I wonder what registration would be like each week. But Paul is saying, hey, it's the same God who gives all these gifts for the purpose of building up your body. I was here when we prayed this morning, uh, like 40 minutes before the service, and I know full well that this community wouldn't operate without the gift of helps being displayed. It just wouldn't. But we're all far more impressed with things that are a little bit more miraculous. Like we'd rather somebody gave us a prophetic word than a hand. We, we, would, we would be more impressed with somebody who healed somebody than somebody who was great at administration. And I think Paul would say, why is that? It shouldn't be this way. There's different gifts and there's one God and they're all given for the common good of building you all up. So just briefly to help you understand this particular list, there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge distinguishing between spirits. And we commonly refer to these as revelatory gifts because they reveal something. There's three that are speech gifts, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, and prophesying. And these say something. And there's three of them that are power gifts, faith, healing, and miracles, because these gifts do something. That's just this little list, but it's a convenient way of remembering this little gift, uh, list. And over the last 30 years of following Christ, I've experienced... Um, 
many of these gifts, not all of them, many of these gifts in very different settings. And I, I had wondered, I want to just share in closing a few stories um, before we pray. And I wondered about whether I should share these stories or not, because the, the one thing I, d- I don't want to do, and I think that it would be wrong, would be to imply that spiritual gifts are the realm of the people at the front. Because that's actually completely counter to everything that Paul is writing about. Paul is writing about saying each one of you have a manifestation of how God is working, which is revealed for the benefit of everybody. And so I was kind of like, should I even share these things? Because I don't want to point the wrong way. And then I realized that all the stories I'm going to tell you are all situational where I'm serving people and none of them are about me being at the front. So I want to tell you just a few little examples that hopefully will give you some encouragement that God might want to use you and allow his spirit to be revealed as you go about serving people every day. I remember a friend of mine sharing a testimony of how uh, he'd been on a missions trip to West Africa and felt very much out of his depth when he'd been left with this church in a small village in West Africa. He didn't really know what to do. So he started praying in tongues, uh, something that he was comfortable with doing. And uh, the local Christians who were with him, he was like, just to be clear, I think he was like, help God do something. I don't know what to do. He he just started praying in tongues. And as he did so, at the end, his um, Christian friends from the local church who were with him were like, how did you learn to speak our language? And he's like, what? And they were like, yeah, you, you've just been speaking to us in our local West African dialect. I forget, I forget what country he was in. And he said, basically what you've been saying to us is God wants to heal people and his ministering angels are present. And he was like, cool. But he had no idea that that's, that's what... That's what a version of speaking in tongues looks like. It's, it's the gift to supernaturally speak a language that you haven't learned. And so what happened? It was like, okay, now we know what we need to do. We need to pray for sick people, and they got healed. Why? Because he had no idea what to do, but he was inviting the Spirit to work. And the Spirit revealed what the Spirit wanted to do through the speaking in tongues. Um, I remember one time um, praying with a couple and receiving the gift of faith as I was praying for this couple. Um, And I would just describe faith as like a certainty beyond doubt. I just had no question and doubt about what it was that I was to pray and that I was to expect that God would do what we were praying. And um, this particular couple that I was praying with, um, they had had uh, an unexpected medical emergency. They ended up in the emergency room uh, having to have operations and they were left with an enormous medical bill that they just couldn't, there was no way that they could pay the medical bill. It was tens of thousands of dollars. And I just remember praying. The Lord gave me faith to say, pray that this debt will be paid off. Um, Within a week, all the expenses were canceled by the insurance company. The, The insurance company called them out of the blue and said, we're canceling all of the expenses of your medical debt. That wasn't me. That was God giving me faith and revealing that that's what God wanted to do. 
So I should pray in accordance with what God was revealing what he wanted to do. Um, Sometimes I receive a word of knowledge when I'm praying or with someone. Um, And one time I was counseling uh, a married couple and uh, as we were talking, the Lord just showed me a picture in my mind's eye um, uh, of an abandoned baby and a depressed mother. And I thought, okay, what do I do with this? Is this just something I pray into? So I just said, look, I'm, uh, I'm just wondering if this makes any sense to you. And I knew they had a child, but I I didn't want to presume the circumstances around their child. Well, it turns out the wife had had an incredibly traumatic birth and childhood, and her mother had almost abandoned her because of her mother's depression. So what did that do? It, it It helped us see that God wanted to minister to the abandonment and hurt in this woman's life because of her childhood trauma. So we were then able to pray into that area and she was able to begin the process of healing from childhood trauma. Last one, just um, another time um, I was praying with a young woman who had back pain and she said to me, uh, I just asked her, you know, what do you want prayer for? And she said, well, um, I have two things. She said, I've got this back pain and no, she just came forward for, for healing for back pain and so Uh, normally what I do, we just wait on the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, we just wait to see what the Lord would do, and I just didn't sense anything, so we just pray healing over this back in Jesus' name, nothing happened, no change, it's like, okay, well, we'll just wait, let's just pray again, Holy Spirit, okay, well, we just pray for healing over this woman's back in Jesus' name, nothing happened, and I'm kind of, my faith is like, somewhere down in my feet. I'm thinking, is there anything else you'd like to pray about? Um, and out of the blue, I just sense that there, uh, there may be some family brokenness. And I just said, look, I'm, I'm just, this thought popped into my head. I don't know if it's the Lord or not, but um, is there any kind of like brokenness or lack of reconciliation in your family? And she said, wow, it's amazing that you say that. Um, actually, yes, there's some um, broken relationships in our family. Actually, I haven't spoken to my parents for several years. So we just prayed into that a little bit. Um, I, don't, I couldn't tell you whether anything changed because I, I didn't see that lady again. So I don't know whether anything changed in her family, but she felt a sense of peace about her and hope about her family relationships. But just before we finished, the Lord in my mind's eye, and when, when I say that, let me just unpack that. I mean, like if I asked you, to imagine your front door right now, the front door of your house, home, apartment, wherever you live, your imaginator is showing you a picture of it, even though your eyes are open and your eyes are taking in me or whatever it is you're staring at right now, okay? In that same way, that's how sometimes I get an image or a picture from the Lord. It's there, it's like, it's not actually there, but it's in my mind's eye, as we say. And I had a picture of an arrow sticking out of her back in the point where her pain was. And we'd already prayed twice for her back to be healed and nothing changed. And I'm like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, That's an English expression. Um, And 
I just thought, okay, so Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord just said, pull the arrow out. And I'm thinking like, okay, Lord, this is where we all start to look a bit weird, like believing in these spiritual gifts. And it's like there is, sometimes it does feel a bit weird. So I just had to explain to her, I think because I really wanted to make sure that it was God who looked weird and not me, and said, I think the Lord's showing me this. And I just said, is it okay if I pull the arrow out? And she looked at me, I think she just thought, well, if that means this prayer time finishes, then sure. She said, yeah, pull it out. And so I like, well, what do you do? Because there's no arrow there. So I just said, well, in Jesus' name, I pull out this arrow. And I stood behind her and I grabbed where I thought this arrow was in my mind's eye and I pulled it. I did this and she stood bolt upright as straight as a statue. And she said, what did you do? And I'm thinking like, oh my God, what have I done? And she said, my back pain's completely gone. I felt my back pain all leave. Now I say that not because I have a ministry of healing, because I don't. (laughs) I say that because this is how the Holy Spirit can catch our attention to say, this is how I want to work. And through these manifestations, my power and glory and wisdom can be revealed. And each of us gets to do this. We all get to play, as John Wimber used to say. And so we're just going to close just inviting God to work. Because I don't set the agenda. You know, Pastor Ben hasn't set the agenda. He didn't text me and say, oh, you know, if you don't mind just doing these things. It's like, no, what we're we're doing is asking God what he wants to do. And it's not about, or there's some things I do feel the Lord has asked me to pray for, but this is not about what I'm going to do. This is about what the Holy Spirit might want to do. And if you're watching at home, maybe he wants you to encourage someone in your family or pick up the phone and speak or pray for someone. Maybe it'll be somewhere here. Maybe it will be, you know, in the rest of this day, in the following days, that that your response right now is going to make you sensitive to how the Holy Spirit might want to work through you for the sake of the common good, to bless others. And it won't be because you're competent. That's such a relief. It'll be because you are available and sensitive to what the Holy Spirit might want to do. So can we just take a few moments to pray? Is that okay? Good, because we're going to anyway. So um, that was me just being polite. Let's just start by... Some of you, you've perhaps been nervous simply about who the Holy Spirit is. Perhaps you heard um, Pastor Emmy's message last week and it's been on your mind all week. The Holy Spirit is God's promised gift. Let's build on that foundation. Let me just repeat what Peter says in that Pentecost sermon. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, maybe afresh, you need to repent. Perhaps you've not done it before. You've been around or connected to churches or this community, and you've never responded to the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. Let me encourage you today Repent, that means turn toward God. Turn away from doing things your own way. Turn towards God. Be
be baptized. You know, if you've got a, a bathtub or a jacuzzi or a swimming pool or the sea, you could go be baptized today. Just ask one of your friends to, to baptize you so that your sins might be forgiven and that you might receive the gift of God's promised Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come afresh today for those who are here, for those who are watching at home, maybe later in the week you're you're watching or listening to this. Holy Spirit, would you come and baptize us afresh in your Holy Spirit today? Thank you for your promised gift. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and move among your people. Right here at Vintage Pasadena, would you bring glory to the Father and to the Son? And thank you, Laura, for just reminding this community about this this word that you've held, this promise about if I get it right, um, blooming where you're planted. I think that's, yeah, blooming where you're planted. That, that's the mission that God has given this community. That is the work that he's assigned to you. You know what? God wants to equip you and give you the power to do the work that he's asked you to do. So for some of you, uh, so I'm, I'm, I feel like the Lord is prompting me and he's showing me a picture of a gardener working in a garden. And I feel like through some of you, the Holy Spirit wants to operate as the gardener, preparing soil. And some of it is the soil of your own hearts, but some of it is the soil of the hearts in this area that you've been called to, this geographic area that's your mission field. And God is going to use you to prepare the hearts of people to receive the seed which the sower wants to sow, and and the seed is the word of God. And in your relationships and friendships, in your outreach, God is going to manifest his power through you to till the soil, to remove rocks, to remove weeds. He's opening up doors for the word of God to go forth.